Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, we are having a solo episode. We, meaning me. I am doing a solo episode to talk about the ins and outs of social life uh, when you work from home. As a single person, as a maybe married person or um, parent, someone. Uh, I can't speak to those who are retired because I haven't hit that stage yet, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know that working from home can be very isolating for some people. Uh, in my last episode, we talked about the downside of working from home uh, for our guest who who talked a little bit about what it's like just being home with the kids when she was accustomed to being out um, in the work workplace, in the workforce uh, for so many years. So uh, I just wanted to say I am probably one of the most extroverted people that I know. Uh, I know that whenever there's like those quizzes, you know, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? What is your personality type? And I already know that I'm extrovert. I do get a lot of uh, energy from being around people. I really enjoy being in a group, being at a party. Um, of course, I can feel awkward. Of course, I can, you know, enjoy downtime. I can enjoy peace and quiet. And it can, I can enjoy one-on-one but I definitely do thrive off of having a social life. And I've been working from home now for 13 years, and I've definitely had to compensate um, from the social interaction that I missed from having, um, you know, a lot of coworkers in office. I did work on site in uh, Minnesota in Mayo, at Mayo Clinic, and I was surrounded by people. You know, there was always the the department potluck and the birthday party, the retirement party. And just turning around and saying hello to the person that was behind me and chit-chatting and going for walks with a coworker for lunch and um, meeting another friend of mine who worked for the same company, uh, meeting her several times a week. So all of that really did build into um, my social life when I worked on site. And as soon as I found myself sitting in a home office, I was so ecstatic to be working from home for so many reasons, to get rid of the commute and to be able to be more relaxed. Um, But I I definitely did miss that social aspect. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, This is going to be a little bit shorter episode than some of my more recent interviews uh, when I am solo. um, And I have a frog in my throat today, so bear with me if I sound a little froggy. Um, When I have an interview, I often you know, get to listen and ask questions and tell stories. And when I'm doing a solo episode, it's just me. (laughs) And um, if you haven't ever just talked by yourself for 45 minutes to an hour or more, um, it is a little bit of an exercise and I'm getting better at it. Though, uh, usually it helps if it's a topic that you were very familiar with and excited about. So um, interaction with other people is something that I am very passionate about. But it has definitely taken a few different forms over the course of my adult life. Uh, Though I do want to go back to when I was a kid. (laughs) Uh, When I was 11 years old, my parents made the choice to homeschool uh, me and my siblings. And um, (laughs) by the way, if you ever hear me say like something really brilliant and smart, I'll usually blame it on being homeschooled. But if you ever hear me say anything awkward or incorrect or pronounce words wrong, I will also probably blame that on being homeschooled. It's kind of a catch-all. Uh, when I was homeschooled, that was the biggest thing that people asked about. Always asking my parents, well, what about testing? What about um, 
social life. It was almost always about social life. And, you know, well, if you're going to be home all day with just the kids, you know, how are they going to get their social interaction? And for me, that wasn't really a problem. We we definitely did interact with, um, back then, they didn't really have the homeschool co-ops like you'll see now. Uh, but there were definitely um, community things that were happening. Maybe not so much like a co-op where we'd get together once a week or once a month to have um, lessons together. But we did have uh, special events and maybe like like recurring weekly social events that we could get together. For us, it was ice skating. That's the one that we picked and we attended pretty religiously as far as like being there every week and getting to know people that way. Uh, there were also opportunities for um, like a drawing class that we did travel and attend together. Um, so, and then over the course of the years, you know, I, I added in more hobbies and, uh, you know, even some competitive things that, you know, you, you have the team building aspect as well. So homeschooling, you know, is <laughs> a little bit like working from home where you are home most of the time instead of going to school, you're home doing your work. Um, but in a normal year when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, there's also tons and tons of opportunity for, um, outside enrichment, you know, getting out to the parks, getting out to the um, team sports or the community activities or the classes, you know. So I think with homeschooling and with working from home, it really is a lot of what you make of it. Uh, is working from home isolating? Yes. Does it have to be? No, but you're going to have to change gears um, and maybe be a little bit more intentional about where you're going to find friends. Now, a lot of adults don't feel like they have a good friend or a close friend um, or any friends even. And that is something that some people will feel and struggle with maybe at different times in their life or for their whole life for a variety of reasons. And I want to give a few tips about making friends as well. Um, but I think my favorite thing to say is just if you show up and you are intentional about being in the same place at the same time each week or each month, um, be it um, a volunteer opportunity or a church or, um, let's think, a book club. Uh, for me, that has been a really good one. If you are intentional about being with the same people each week, I think you're naturally going to start to find bonds with some of the people. You're not going to connect and fit with every single group or with every single person and in a group. But definitely it does help. When I started working from home, the first thing that I did is I signed up for a pottery class. And I can't say that those people ended up becoming my nearest and dearest friends. But sitting for several hours in the same place each week at the same time, you do get to know people. And that kind of got me through that dry spell while I was in a new city, didn't really know anybody um, except for some friends through like the church that I had um, joined when I when I moved. Uh, but even with the church, it can be a little tricky. We did move to another city at one point and never really felt like we jived um, in the same way as we had when we lived in Missouri. So um, a church isn't always going to be where you're going to find your closest friends um, if you are a church going person. And I think I think that a lot of people have this concept that that's where you should find your social network and Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It helps if you find yourself with people who have similar values, uh, but it doesn't always translate the way that you expect. So for me, 
even being part of a church, um, you know, there were scheduled events and then we had to make our own, you know, uh, interactions or parties, you know, or things like that. So one thing that I did is, I guess as a new person in town, oftentimes you would sit around hoping and waiting for people to invite you to things. Um, but for whatever reason, it doesn't always happen that way. And I think it does help if you are sometimes a person who's also willing to organize or coordinate or ask or um, establish um, a routine if there isn't already one established. For instance, if, for instance, you show up each week at some sort of meeting, um, it could be anything, Toastmasters or, um, you know, your kid's sports event, anything like that, like a practice. Usually, if you're friendly enough, if you're able to just, you know, maybe kind of sit in the same spot and chat with the same people after a few weeks, it becomes a little easier and more natural to be like, hey, we're going to hang out and go to the park. Would you like to join us? Or I have a few extra cold sparkling waters in my van. Um, you know, do you want to sit for a little while? We can let the kids play um, and take a breather, you know, or something like that. I think that sort of thing, just being willing to be the person to put yourself out there is going to be one of the biggest things that will help you find friends faster. You can't always expect that people will notice that there is a shy person waiting in the corner. Um, maybe not shy. Maybe shy isn't the right word. Um, I have a husband who is a very quiet man when we're in public, but he's not shy. He just isn't one. It's not his personality to initiate conversations. And I'm usually the one that is more willing to do that. Uh, but I've definitely made friends just from being willing to to be friendly. Usually you find something, you know, easy to talk about that's safe. You're not going to dive straight into politics or religion, of course. Um, you know, I don't like superficial small talk, but it does play a, it does, um, play a place. Is that the right way to say it? Um, it has a place. That's what I'm trying to say. It has a place. Uh, you know, obviously commenting on the weather isn't invigorating conversation, but I do like one of my favorite starter questions is just, you know, how long have you been in Arizona? Are you a native? Um, <laughs> how do you guys beat the heat in the summer? You know, so like talking about activities surrounding weather is a little bit more conversational, I guess. Uh, but I wanted to go back a little bit and, and go back into when I was, when I was single before I had kids, I actually, after being part of um, this one group of a lot of single people who were, um, maybe just in college or just finishing college or when I was, um, I guess over time, a few people were married, but before they had kids, a few people with young children, but not very many at that time. Um, we did find ourselves gathering pretty regularly. And one of the things that we did is we had a movie night each week and I hosted it. I did not have the biggest TV. I did not have a good uh, movie selection. Um, I didn't have a pump and stereo system or anything. Actually, I just had kind of a crappy old small TV. But what was happening is people came because I hosted. I was willing to open my home. It was regular. It was consistent. It was at the same time. And I let people help me choose the movies. And so we watched everything. We watched a combination of things from... Oh, goodness. Um, rated G movies for kids. The night that I met my husband, he was um, brought to our movie night by his um, brother and sister-in-law. 
Um, we watched Willow. Neither of us liked it. <laughs> um, and then we watched the whole gamut. We watched um, things from every genre, <laughs> all over the place. You know, every, well, I don't think we got into like rated X things, but we definitely watched some heavy, heavy things that were, um, you know, serious and some that were funny, some that were uh, CGI and others that were, you know, documentary. We we really watched the full gamut because we did this every single week uh, for the most part for, I think, over a year. Uh, it was pretty regular. Uh, we watched some Mindbender movies and is it Prime? Is Prime the one that you watched? Um, and actually that's when my husband came back to my house the second time. We, it's the kind of movie that you have to see twice. Is it Prime or Primer? I think it's Prime. Uh, you watch the movie one time and then you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I think I need to watch that again to understand what I was watching. And, um, so I invited people to come back for a second showing and he came back, uh, to my house again. And, um, you know, we just kind of started to chit chat <laughs> afterward and then we got married three months later. So we had kind of a crash course uh, uh, relationship. But the movie night it was really kind of how people were coming together. Um, I also hosted um, a monthly dinner party. And we rotated among different people's houses. It was, again, through my church. But, um, you know, we had outside people coming in as well. So um, we would divide up about eight adults to each home. And there would be, like one, two, or three host homes each month, depending on how many we needed. And we were just kind of intentionally shuffling people so that we would not always just hang out with the same people each week um, or each month, I guess it would be for the dinner party. But when you're sitting around without a real agenda, you know, just to kind of get to know each other, usually um, maybe we would have like a question of the day to kind of give a conversation starter for people, which can feel awkward that doesn't have to be everybody's style. Some people would have a game. Usually there would be um, some dinner prep together. You know, not everyone would come with their food hot. Sometimes we would be chopping vegetables in the kitchen and trying to get things ready. Um, I think it's those moments where you start to build connections. But not everyone is comfortable going into someone's home. So another way that I've gotten to um, know people would be through meeting people in public places, um, again, I feel like being part of something organized is very helpful. When I had young children, I joined the baby wearing group. Actually, I helped start it. I think I had met the people who were starting the baby wearing group because I had the little babies and they invited me to participate as part of the leadership team. Not so much because I'm an expertise in anything baby wearing related, but because of my ability to help bring people together. So I helped more with like building the Facebook event and inviting people and um, I don't know, getting getting the conversation going at the beginning of the meetings and things like that. Um, that I also was part of Leche League at the time. If you are a mom who has young children, both of those places would be really good places to meet other families with young children who understand, you know, a lot of the, the naps and the, um, and the diapers and the little kids running around. And it ended up being a really good, great place to build community. Oftentimes we would have, um, oh, sometimes we met at a park. It was really helpful to have one that had like a gate around it so that, you know, if moms were engaging in any kind of conversation, they were going to be running into traffic. But with a lot of, um, 
parents, and it wasn't just moms, I shouldn't say that. It was often a lot of parents um, all together in one space. Um, someone was part of a church that had a children's playroom that had one of those like half doors that you could like have closed on the bottom and open on the top so that everybody can see into the room. And I think when there were little, little ones in there, we'd take turns sitting in there. But for the most part, if it was a bunch of preschool age and stuff, they could, they could play. We could see them. We were right there with them. Um, they could come out if they needed anything. Uh, but that was a really nice place to just sit and talk. Usually we'd bring a snack. Someone would bring a snack. If there's food involved, people stay longer. If you have something in a public place like a park or at a coffee shop or a bookstore, you know, where people can gather, at least for the first few times, it really helps um, make people feel safe with each other before you're like, well, how about next month I host it at my house? We can do it in the backyard. I think backyards are a little bit safer feeling for a lot of people. Obviously, with the pandemic, outdoors is good. Um, but um, you know, when you can hear everybody talking from outside and you go, you know, there's a big sign on the door says, you know, baby wearing group open, you know, through here, you know, you can hear the people talking and you're not like feeling like you're just knocking on some stranger's door. That's helpful too. Um, but our, our, our book club kind of went through the same process. I have, um, I had a book club. It's, it's kind of been on hiatus for the last six months, um, through the pandemic, um, we did do a lot of online Zoom meetings, but the participation was a lot lower um, during those months. And so we've taken a little break, but I think we're going to get started up again. But we were going strong for, gosh, maybe two or three years. Um, but again, like we started at a local restaurant. We kind of did a tour of restaurants and we'd always find the one that had a big enough seating. It was tricky sometimes if they had a minimum purchase like for the group that you needed to meet like $300 for a group you're never sure you know are six people going to show up or 16 I'm not sure I don't want to be committed to a $300 bill um to be able to use their party room so it was a little bit tricky to find something that works for that but we definitely did um especially places the outdoor patio seating are nice um and then I found a community room that agreed essentially to rent us their community room it was part of a like kind of a natural health center um and they just had this community room that they used to teach i don't know maybe yoga classes or nutrition classes during the week and in the evenings they didn't need the space nothing was really happening there and they had a lockbox with a key in it and they gave me the code and i think we rotated from restaurant one month to this community room the next month and then the third month, we would go into someone's home. So we only needed to have four hosts for the year. Um, and then if we were ever inviting someone new, if they felt like they might, if we thought that maybe they'd be nervous or shy or awkward feeling about coming um, to meet a lot of new people, we would usually invite them when we were having it at that community room because they could just come or the restaurants. Um, we would also um schedule our books kind of around where we're going to be if it was going to be in a restaurant oftentimes there's a lot of noise and it's a little bit more difficult to have like a full group conversation about serious things um, we would often use our month of um if we had a humorous book or like a light-hearted memoir or something that was just kind of um probably wouldn't elicit such a deep conversation we would choose to do that in the restaurant and basically be like, how'd you like the book? It was fine. Um, that worked for us. 
if it was going to be, you know, something more about social justice and things like that, then um, it was nice when we did those in someone's home because then we could, you know, have a lot of quiet, um, a more a more quiet environment to, to have a serious conversation. Um, so book club has been a place that I've really felt like I had a good community of people. Um, I only got to see them about once a month, but there would usually still be like some conversation happening in say like the Facebook group or uh, maybe a little get together here or there, little offshoots of things happening. Um, uh, let's see. Another thing that I did, and this again is more of a parent thing, um, but I think that a lot of parents do feel isolated once their kids are in sports, you know, maybe you'll get to know the teams and things like that, the, the, the families on the team. But if you're ever like new in town or switching schools, which we've been both, um, <laughs> actually, I have found a lot of my friends through attending birthday parties. If my kid receives an invitation to a birthday party, we say yes. And I know that there's going to be a cost involved with probably buying a gift or, you know, maybe, I mean, usually the party people would pay for whatever, but you, you know, sometimes if my family wants to come along and they're going to go to the bouncy houses and there's an open gym at the same time, my husband would bring the other kids and I'll bring the kid who goes to the party. Um, and of course we'd have to pay for the other kids, but just sitting around with the other parents during a birthday party has been, I would say half of my closest friends I probably met at a birthday party for the kids or attending as a guest. Um, when we've hosted a birthday party for the um, school kids, we usually invite the whole class, the school kids. What am I saying? Um, like when my kids are little, in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I didn't have any contact information for the other families. Um, I think only one of our classes ever even provided the opportunity to share it. And like a spreadsheet, it was a voluntary thing that you could opt in to put your info out there if you wanted to be able to be contacted for playdates and things. Um, and the other classrooms, it's always just kind of been, you know, you're on your own. If you want to find out contact information for people, the only way that I could really do that is um, inviting the whole class to a birthday party, not expecting everybody to show up. I don't think that's ever, ever happened. Maybe half have shown up, usually about 10 out of 25. And so I don't think that you ever have to worry that, like, if you invite 25 kids, that 25 kids are going to show up unless you're having an amazing party that no one wants to miss. Um, but, yeah, usually just by getting even the um, the RSVPs of people saying that they can come, you can save those numbers. I always save them into my phone under, like, uh, my kids' name and their grade. And then, like, this is the mom of such and such kid in such and cut. My, my kids' names class. Um, it's a lot, but then it helps me track over the years of how we knew these people. And uh, let's see. When they show up, usually, you know, there's chit-chat. There's a ability to, to kind of, you know, bond over the fact that our kids are in the same class. Um, sometimes that's all you get, and that's as far as it goes, and it never goes deeper. But um, I don't know about you, um, but if anyone else out there has kids who... You know, maybe have some unique quirks or um, personality things that, you know, you're working through. As you as you share, I think some of the things that are real in your life and that you're not just talking about the superficial things, I think that's where I have really found my tribe in the most recent years has been the parents of the other kids in my kids' classrooms. 
I'm sure there's a more efficient way of saying that, but that's what I was trying to get at. Another thing that has been helpful to me, um, and I, I haven't really utilized this as much as I'd like to, but it's out there. A lot of people are using Meetup. Meetup.com is still, it's kind of like, it's not a dating website, though I'm sure a lot of people do find, you know, their, their partners through um, just being part of something. But again, if you're, if you're like, I don't know what my interests are, meetup.com, I think charges like, uh, I want to say $15 a month to have a membership. And I think that's to kind of weed out, um, the people who aren't serious, um, the people who are just lurking for maybe the wrong reasons. Uh, but there's basically something for everyone. You can join a, a meetup for, People who are new in town, a meetup for people who are business-minded who want to network. There's meetups for parents of young children and for singles and for people who have this, that, or the other interest. And basically, it's a way that everyone who's interested in the same thing can maybe have like a monthly get-together. And if you go to meetup.com and you look around and you're like, I don't see what I'm looking for, you can start one. You can say, you know what, I don't see a knitting club in the in my county or wherever, you know, however you measure, um, you know, your local area in my neighborhood or in my um, city, you can start one and they will actually kind of advertise it for you. People will start to get an email saying, you know, you might be interested in this kind of meetup. And uh, I started one for the Phoenix East Valley area, uh, which is where we live. And it was for the people who were new in town. We I did it right in the middle of the pandemic, and so we did our first few meetings on Zoom, and 72 people joined the first day I, I started it. Um, some people use it for business, and it can be a little salesy. If you if you join the wrong group, they might um, bombard you with emails and opportunities, and you realize really quick which ones are like real humans wanting to actually get together to talk versus like some corporation who is um not maybe even corporations some entrepreneur perhaps who is um who has paid for like the nationwide version of this thing and they might have like a representative in each city and they're just trying to like bombard you with different kind of networking opportunities it can be a little weird um or overwhelming and you'll realize really quick which ones are for you and which ones you can unsubscribe from uh, meetup is a good place if you are single they have a lot of opportunities and there are also on Facebook, just about every bigger city is going to have, if you just Google in like the name of your city, I'll just say Phoenix for singles. There's probably going to be a group. If you go into the group tab, there's probably going to be a group that you can join. Maybe you'll have to answer a few membership questions. Um, but you know, I, I guess I feel like the, the, the single groups might feel a little bit like people are there looking for hookups. Um, so I would probably prefer if I were single, which I'm not, um, to go more towards the ones that are oriented towards my interests, um, volunteer opportunities, um, nonprofits, things like that. Um, and then I think if you put yourself out there, you show up, you're consistent, you will start to find your people. So as far as working from home, there are also other ways of communicating with your own team. If you are on a team, um, Obviously, a lot of people that I've interviewed in the past 49, 50 episodes have talked about, you know, Slack or just teams, meetings and having, you know, happy hours and things like that. And if you work for a company that organizes that for you, um, 
it's up to you if you're going to join or not. Not not everybody needs that in their life. They might already be so stretched with all of their other obligations and commitments and, you know, their own hobbies that they've pursued. Um, But if you are kind of looking for something, if it's not there, you could build it. You could be the person who is like, you know what, I think we need a social committee of some sort and just bring it to your leaders and just say, I feel like this is something that's lacking. Um, I feel a need for this. And I'm assuming that there might be others you can ask around um, with the people that you have gotten to know a little bit and be like, would you do this with me? I don't want to be alone. Um, I interviewed Matthew Stubbefield and I think he was saying that there's some people that even have like yoga together and it's at work. But um, I think they do it with cameras off so it's not like sleazy or creepy. Um, Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that you can do if you're willing to take a little bit of initiative. I was talking with my my 10-year-old the other day and they're switching schools. And I said, so, you know, as a new kid at school, do you, can you expect that, can you expect, can you see yourself being the person who reaches out to make a friend? Or do you think you'll be more the one who, who kind of waits to see if someone's going to come up to you and say hi? And she's like, I think I'll just wait and see, you know, if, if anyone will be friendly toward me. And I said, that might work some of the time, but it might have to be a 50-50. You know, maybe half of the time you'll have to be the kid who reaches out because who knows? You don't know any of these kids. Those other kids out there that aren't talking to you, they might also be new. They might also be waiting. Um, I have noticed that when I have started groups such as um, my book club and a few other things, usually the people that end up joining are the people who are new to the area who are also looking for um, connection uh, if someone's native to the area. So I'm in Arizona now and you'll hear, you know, yeah, we've been, I've been born and raised, you know, I've been here. So they might have family in town. They might have, you know, connections dating back to preschool where the rest of us are like, okay, I'm 42 years old and I'm ready to make friends now. Um, and some people just might already be so strapped or stretched so thin that they might not have a lot of bandwidth for that sort of thing where the people that seem to be in the most open are usually going to be the people who are in the same boat. So, uh, as someone who is working from home, um, you know, talk to me, we can, we can revive the Facebook group that I've had that we haven't been really active in. I'm hoping to, uh, get back in there and, and use it as a place that we can be a little bit more interactive. Um, so, you know, a lot of people who are working from home have some of the same pain points, uh, might, also struggle with getting out of the house to, you know, like sometimes you just kind of get caught in your routine of getting worked on, making food, you know, relaxing and getting to bed. And you're like, holy cow, I haven't even left the house in three days. Um, you know, we can kind of spur one another on to, to get out and to be more active. Um, I know with the pandemic, definitely a lot of people felt stuck at home and, as more and more people are getting vaccinated and as we're looking at the horizon and hoping and praying, I think that, that pretty soon maybe life can really can truly be back to normal, maybe within the next year. Um, start thinking about how you might be able to spread out a little bit or how you might be able to initiate something. And I know, you know, people say, if you build it, they will come. 
And sometimes you do plan that party that nobody shows up for. Sometimes it takes a couple of times or it takes the right people. Um, as far as getting to know people questions, I feel like the ones like I mentioned earlier, just asking people where they're from is good. Obviously talking about kids, if you have them, pets, if you have them, um, the weather, if you have it, <laughs> um, but also just talking about hobbies, you know, um, when my husband, like I mentioned before, he's not a big talker in groups. And I remember we would have these like baby wearing things that I would, uh, organize and they'd sometimes be at my house and I would tell my friends, I'd be like, you know, my husband, he's interested in things like, you know, pocket knives and, um, just other weird little, you know, interests that he has guitar music, um, you know, because a lot of people don't want to talk about work when they're not at work. Um, you know, I guess if you're someone who really loves your job or who is trying to network for that purpose, you might want to talk about it. But it is good, I think, to open up a little bit and be willing to talk about other things. You know, if you're new in town, it's an easy way to talk to someone who's been around for a long time and be like, can you tell me, like, where are the best hiking spots? Like, we just haven't found it yet. Um, you know where we see a lot of the chains on the main strip, but can you let me know where some of your favorite tried and true, you know, local restaurants are asking people talking about food is usually safe. Um, if you have food allergies, um, there's groups specifically for, um, tracking down the places where you can find the safe food. Um, but asking local people is, is pretty effective as well. Uh, if you have any ideas about how to up your game as far as your social life when it comes from working from home, I'm always open to to listening and hearing about more tips and tricks. Um, oh, man. At one point, I even started a group. I've started a lot of groups. Uh, I was in Illinois, and I was working from home, and I had little, little kids. Um, I was pregnant, I think, with my third kid. And... I started a group called, it was really cheesy sounding, I don't even want to tell you what it's called. It was about decluttering um, your home. I, I wanted a, a way, an excuse to be able to get people together and spend time encouraging one another, kind of like a support therapy group about, you know, like not always being the most organized person when it comes to my personal belongings and wanting to get a little bit more on top of, you know, like being more efficient about having a plan for cleaning my home. And we got together once a month and we would usually bring a project with us to be working on, like for instance, like sorting socks or, you know, I don't think shredding paper would have worked, but I think I sorted socks more than once. Um, some people did just bring knitting or something like that, but there's usually something that we could kind of occupy ourselves with, but we also brought a snack. We also still talked. Um, and that was a good bonding time. And then out of that, um, one of the ladies who was coming started a freezer meal group where we would it was some of the same people so there was some overlap um and actually I think eventually the decluttering group transitioned more into this freezer group uh we would once a month get together and instead of cooking every single night I would basically make one huge batch of my meal um for instance soup I had three huge stock pots on the stove and I was making enough soup to feed eight families. Um, and I just got, got it all done at once. I did all of my grocery shopping and I chopped all the carrots and things and I just cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked and cooled it down, got it in the fridge. 
um, and then put it into freezer bags. And once it got into the freezer, I filled my freezer with soup. And then at my monthly meeting, I showed up with all of my frozen soup in a big cooler. And I exchanged my soup for seven other meals. Um, so I kept one and I got seven meals of other things, other people. So we were making, some of them were meat dishes, some of them were vegetarian dishes, some of them were breakfast things. And we had different categories that people were exchanging among. Um, some people only exchanged the main meal, like um, um, a main course. And other people were, in addition to the main course, would also make side dishes or a dessert. And so some people were actually involved in two or three exchanges in one month. So you'd come home with a cooler full of different food. And that was some of the best times, you guys. It really was fun. We'd bring snacks. We'd be talking. Sometimes we'd even get together and make another meal. Um, we would be rolling like breakfast burritos and having that as part of, in addition to the meals that we brought. It was a fun time and it made it so that I didn't hardly have to cook for the rest of the month. It's awesome. So whatever floats your boat, you find it and dig in. Go ahead and start something if you need to. Um, don't be shy. Um, sometimes you have to just find break break the awkward ice. Um, some people you can usually read if they're not interested in talking. If they're looking at their phone, they might not want to be interrupted. You kind of have to catch people when they're ripe, I guess, um, to start that conversation. And you never know. Some of my favorite people I met at the park. And we were just friendly moms. And then there's a bunch of people that I met at the park and nothing ever came of it. So, all right, get out there. Don't forget to get up, stretch your legs, get outside. Don't stay home all the time. Um, join an online group. If you are not ready to be out in society, I am actually going to end this podcast because I am opening up the balloon jam for the professional balloon artists, um, not just of the Southwest now, but also internationally. We usually have 20... 25 people coming and that has been one of my biggest social outlets in the past year and I don't even twist balloons very well I just happen to be willing to host the zoom meeting and a lot of really good things have come out of that so all right you all thank you so much for listening to my short but sweet maybe I hope helpful uh, episode talking about getting out there and having a social life even though you work from home all right this has been April Malone with Guess I Work From Home and we'll see you next time